You are listening to Graceway's weekly message podcast. We hope that this message encourages you to know and enjoy God, find friends, discover your purpose, and make a difference in your community. Enjoy the message. Hey, I want to start off by asking a question. Uh, how many of you guys like free stuff? Anyone like free stuff? Right? Come on. Yeah, free. Uh, if, I, if I was down in the student ministries, I'd be throwing some stuff out to you right now. But I ain't got nothing up here right now. But um, there's a saying, free is for me. Yeah, some of us know that. Free is for me, you know, and uh, whether that's like money, that's food. I mean, you don't get, I mean, I like food, if you can't tell. Uh, and I mean, whatever it is I like uh, to have where I don't have to pay for it even. And uh, sometimes what that looks like is presents, right? How many of you guys like presents? Anyone like presents? Yeah, I like, I like gifts as well. So um, there was times in my life, especially when I was a lot younger, um, where I would get a gift and my heart did not match my face and my expression of thankfulness, right? Anyone uh, been there? Like my face was saying, wow, this is awesome. My heart was saying, what in the world is this? Like I was expecting a Nintendo 64 with NBA courtside, but um, I didn't get that. I got some Space Jam pajamas, which I now know that was a blessing in and of itself. I mean, but back then I had no appreciation uh, for that. Like we've, we've all been there um, at that point in our life, or maybe some are still at that point right now, where we get something or we receive a gift or a present or something in our life, and um, our face says something totally different than what our heart says um, as well. And, and we just literally just celebrated a holiday, right, called Thanksgiving, right? And uh, we, we talk about uh, what that looks like around this time of the year, a whole lot of being thankful and showing gratitude and being grateful um, as well. And today, I, I want us to uh, look into the fact of what it looks like to have an attitude of gratitude. And um, with that even being said, I believe that there's a whole lot of things that we can pull away from um, gratitude. And uh, when we're looking at this word, and I want to give you a few different definitions of gratitude before we jump into um, what I want to give you. But gratitude, if we're um, understanding what it means, it is actually a mindset of thankfulness and joy. And also it's a heartfelt acknowledgement towards someone or for something um, as well. Gratitude is an attitude of thankfulness, and it's more than just an emotional response. It's a choice that we are to make. Now, I get it. Like, I, I started off by saying, like, my face said something totally different than my heart, and uh, it's more than just an emotional response. It's an, an action, and it's a decision that we have to make to show gratitude in our lives, and I feel like we can learn a whole lot of things when it comes to gratitude and what that looks like and how we can show gratitude to one another and show gratitude gratitude to different people. But for the sake of time, uh, today I want to talk about three different things that, or ways that we can show gratitude and three different points of gratitude as well. And I feel like we can learn a few things about having gratitude, especially in this time of the year as well. And the thing, thing that I need you guys to understand about this is, is Thanksgiving is more than a holiday season. Amen. Thanksgiving is more than a holiday season, but yet we have commercialized giving thanks, right? Um, we've commercialized this, this thought of showing gratitude and, and coming together. Now, don't get me wrong. Come together. Please do not forsake the gathering, right? Don't forsake the, the cooking, amen? I mean, don't forsake any of that, but I need you to understand that it's more than just a holiday season that we celebrate once a year. Like Thanksgiving is something that we're supposed to be constantly in the 
mindset of, and that's what gratitude literally means, is to be in a mindset of thankfulness. And if you're in a mindset of thankfulness, that means that it's not based on things that come and go from your life. Now, uh, don't get me wrong, right? Don't get me wrong. I do enjoy having the up-to-date items. I enjoy having the new stuff and new phones, and I think the new iPhone is a 15 or 17, I don't know, the Pro Max and uh, new Android. I don't know how many Android. What's the new Android? I don't know. Is it like Galaxy S23 or 24, something like that? Like, I mean, I had I had an Android at one time in my life as well, but um, but like I, I get, I love and and I enjoy having all of these material possessions and all of the things. Like, I enjoy having the things. But here's the thing about those: like they're material, right? They're materialistic, and and that material item can only bring us so much happiness. That material item can only bring us so much happiness, and happiness tends to ebb and flow based on the circumstances or the situations that we may be going through in our lives. And uh, when we think about that, uh, materialism, it usually increases our happiness, but it's temporary, right? Materialism, it is temporary. And let me say it again. Happiness is temporal and ebbs and flows based on the circumstances that come and go from our lives. But here's the thing. The first point, if you're taking notes, take notes because note takers are history makers. I tell our students that all the time. The first point is this, that gratitude, it starts in the hearts, not in your hands. Gratitude, it starts in the hearts and not in your hands. And reflecting on blessings that we do have and not just the materialistic things as well, but the eternal things that we have. And when we reflect on those eternal things, it moves us to a very specific response, which is worship. Go to your Bibles if you have your Bible, which bring your Bible to church. Amen. I tell students this all the time, bring your Bible to church. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you your Bible. But open up your Bibles to the New Testament. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 3. And um, in Colossians chapter 3, we have the Apostle Paul that is, is encouraging the church at Colossae. And also, I believe that can be encouraging to us as well. We're going to look at a few verses in Colossians chapter 3, starting at verses 15 and 16. If you're there, say hallelujah, holla back. If you're not there, say, hold up. Oh, wow, y'all all there. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, I, I love it. I love it. So we're going to read then since you're all there. Otherwise, it's up on the screen. All right. Starting at verse 15 of Colossians chapter 3, it reads this way. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Okay, so a question that we can ask here then starting off is, what is the peace of Christ? What is the peace of Christ and what does that look like? Peace, literally the meaning of peace means shalom, okay, which is a positive uh, presence or harmony. And it's something that has nothing missing and nothing broken. It has this, this idea of there being wholeness or unity, good relations or cooperation as well. So the Apostle Paul is telling us to allow the peace of Christ to rule in our hearts. And when he's saying to rule in our hearts, he's saying it should be like a referee or an umpire or a judge that brings structure to our lives. 
It should bring structure to our lives. And uh, for those of you that didn't know, I played some athletics. I played football and um, did some other sports as well. But um, I really was thinking about what does this mean for me, like, as I'm playing football and a referee, like, what does it have to do with anything? Like, a referee or judge or umpire, it literally is someone that is trying to put regulations and rules and uh, stipulations and make sure that those are being upheld throughout the duration of the event or the game or whatnot to bring structure and make sure that things are happening in the way that it should take place. So when Paul is saying, let the peace of Christ rule our hearts, he's saying that the peace of Christ should bring structure to our lives as well. And it should be something that that characterizes God's community of believers. So there should be unity in the community, right? There should be peace. There should be um, also cooperation in the body as well. And that's a whole nother side note, right? I mean, I don't, I think that we can get so messed up in thinking about our group is better than this group, that there's not as much cooperation or peace of Christ that is dwelling in our hearts and working together. But this is what the peace of Christ is supposed to be doing. It's supposed to rule our hearts in a way to bring structure and guide, guide us in the way that we should be living our lives as well. And, and then he goes on to say, and then let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. So what is the word of Christ? right? If we need to break it down, the word of Christ is scripture, right? It's, it's something that is considered God-breathed and also God-inspired as well. And to dwell within us means to live inside of our lives and inside of our hearts. And the way that the word of God is able to dwell in our hearts so richly is by reading the word, by studying it, by meditating on it, and by spending time with the Lord as well. And I don't think enough of us do that, right? I mean, I don't think enough of us do that. This isn't a, a, a knock or this isn't to throw shade on anyone. It's a challenge, right? And let me admonish you and charge you that we should be doing this even more. If we want the peace of Christ to rule our hearts and his word to dwell within our lives, we have to spend time with him as well. We got to spend time with them as well. And the word of God should live in our hearts in such a way that it prompts us to do something spontaneous. And it prompts us to a spontaneous expression, which is worship, which is worship. And, and that's what Paul says here. He says that we should have with gratitude and thankfulness in our hearts. And it comes from allowing the peace of God to rule our hearts, which allows worship to flow directly from gratitude that is in our lives. And, and the thing about this too is that, that thankful people and those that show true gratitude can worship not just with their spirit, but they can worship in truth as well. And we learn in John chapter 4 that Jesus said there comes a day, and the day is now, we're hours now, when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth right? Spirit and in truth. And if you're truly grateful, truly thankful, then you will worship in spirit and in truth as well. And here's the thing, like, I get it. Like, during this time of the year, I want to challenge us. I want to challenge us to evaluate our lives and take inventory of our lives, of our, of our relationships, the ones that we are in or the ones that we shouldn't be in, like our abilities, our talents, our giftings, our callings, our families, our possessions, whether that's materialistic or eternal possessions that we have as well. Like we should reflect on these blessings with the heart of gratitude and an attitude of gratitude that comes from the peace of God that rules our hearts. And here's the thing too, it's hard to know what peace is if you don't know who peace is. Let me say it again. It's hard to know what peace is if you don't know who peace is. Because peace has a name. 
And that name is what? Jesus, right? That name has a, that peace has a name and his name is Jesus. So here's the thing. I, I, I like, I like equations as well. So like if you, uh, if you know peace, then you know Jesus, right? But if you don't know peace, you don't know Jesus. Or no peace, no Jesus. Or no Jesus, no peace. But if you know Jesus with your heart, then guess what? You know peace. And some of you in this room, like, I'm not naive enough to believe that every single person in here already knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we're going to give you opportunity to get to know Jesus as well. But it's a challenge for us that if we truly want to allow the peace of God to, to dwell in our hearts richly, we have to know Jesus. Like, I get it. Like, some of us are going through life um, not with Jesus, and we're doing okay. We're doing okay, but there comes a point in time where you cannot do it alone. You cannot do it all by yourself. Like, we're not meant to do this by ourselves. There's an innate desire that God has created on the inside of us to know him, right? To know him. That's why we take you guys through growth track. Like, step one, know and enjoy God. Like, we want you to know Jesus, but we don't just want you to know him with your head. We want you to know him with your heart, and that comes from experience. That comes from experience as well. So remember, gratitude, it starts in our hearts and not in our hands. Um, back to uh, gifts. I, I like gifts, remember. Um, I remember opening gifts when I was younger. And you guys, uh, uh, did, if, you, if you've done this, I want you to raise your hand. Anyone, uh, parents make you open up the gifts one by one? One by one? Okay. Like, not just one by one, but taking turns. Like, I'm the youngest of four. Four boys. Okay. And... Um, so I meant I went last, okay? Uh, and they would make each and every single one of us open one gift at a time. And I'm just like, what in the world? Like, one, it's taking them forever because I'm last. And then two, like, I was getting impressed to open up my gifts faster because the next person wanted to open up their gift. But I was always so confused about why my parents would do this. And literally, it wasn't until I was prepping this lesson, this message that the Lord brought back to my remembrance why my parents were doing that. Like, this isn't even, like, me asking my parents, like, why? Like, this is the Lord revealing to me why my parents were doing that. Because, like, we're so focused on what is next that we forget to go back to the giver of the gift. Like, we forget to go back to the giver of the gift. So, like, my parents, they also had us buy gifts for each other. Like, so I was famous for going to the dollar store, amen, back when it was a dollar, um, one dollar, right? It was 106 after taxes. Like, I, I get, like, and I would get everyone something from the dollar store, right? And, and I would get them these gifts, and, and my parents were infamous about making sure that each of us went back to the giver of the gift and said, Thank you, right? Before we got to the next thing, before we open up the next present, and, and I truly believe that we are like that in our own lives where, where we're just trying to get to the next thing that we forget to go back to the one that gave us that gift in the first place. Like, we forget to go back to the one that has blessed us in the first place. And, uh, like, I think too many of us, we, are, we don't even focus on what we just got. We actually just focus on what the next thing is. We focus on what the next thing is, the, what's next, right? We focus on what is to come, and, and we don't get to celebrate the giver of that gift. So my parents, they slowed us down to teach us how to show thanks and appreciation because at that time of my life, like, gratitude was, was not natural for me. Gratitude was not natural, and if we're being honest, gratitude is not natural for most of us. 
right? It's not in our human nature to be showing gratitude or have an attitude of gratitude, yet gratitude, it forces us to return to the giver of the gift and not just celebrate the gift itself. It forces us that. And, and the second point I want you guys to get is this, that our gratitude it needs to be based on the giver and not the gift. Our gratitude needs to be based on the giver and not the gift. And in that, we should truly ask ourselves, am I truly grateful? Am I truly grateful? Like, have I, am, I, am I really focused on the one that gave me these gifts or these, these blessings, or am I just focused on what is to come next? Like, like, am I focused on where my next meal is to come? Like, I get it. We, we talked about this on Super Street Sunday about Matthew 6, 6 and Matthew 6, 33. We talked about how we can seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added on to us. But are we just focused on what is next that we miss celebrating the giver of the gift himself? Like, we're so focused on that. And, and I, I just had this conversation with some students literally last week about how we're talking about spiritual gifts downstairs, amen? We're talking about spiritual gifts. Your students are doing spiritual gifts assessments. And um, if they're not, then make sure that you check your email so that they can um, as well. And uh, I'm literally telling them, like, Pastor Brandon, can we seek certain gifts? I'm like, you can, but God gives as he sees fit, right? God gives as he sees fit. And they're like, well, why? I want that gift. I'm like, listen, we get so caught up in seeking a gift itself that we miss the giver of the gift, right? I'm just like, seek Jesus. Seek Jesus and he will give as he sees fit. He will give it to us as, as he sees fit as well. And um, with that being said, like, we need to think about are we truly grateful for the things that we have? And believe it or not, there are people in the Bible who act the same way as some of us act today ungrateful. <laughs> There's still, there are people in the Bible that, that acted like we act even today, and that's ungrateful. Like, a lot of us, we act very ungrateful. Like, we're not grateful for, for much, right? I mean, we sit down, I reflect on this myself, and tradition that my family has um, is before we eat the meal on Thursday or on Thanksgiving, we go around the table and say something that we're grateful for, Right? We go through to allow my kids who are, are three, five, six, and nine to be able to reflect on what they are grateful for. And I think that we need to do that as well. But even if we don't, there was people in the Bible that were the same way that were ungrateful. If you have your Bible, once again, open up to the gospel according to Luke. The gospel according to Luke chapter 17. We're going to look at the story of, of the lepers encountering Jesus. And um, leading up to this passage, Jesus is teaching, and he's been teaching the people that are with him and the disciples. He's teaching them in something called parables, which is an illustrated sermon or illustrated story where he uses a common day language to convey heavenly principles. Okay, so Jesus is teaching, and, um, and he just started teaching, and he had just started talking about forgiveness and faith as well, but leads us to um, this story, this famous story of, of the lepers that encounter Jesus in verse 11 of the gospel according to Luke chapter 17. And it starts off by reading this way. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were 
cleansed. Okay, so quick teaching on leprosy or what a leper was. Leprosy was a disease that, that literally was um, something that attacked the nervous system, attacked the body in which your flesh was being eaten or rotting from the inside out, basically. That's what it was. Oh, yeah, it's nasty, right? As people say the Bible ain't, ain't interesting, right? Like this was literally something that, that was going on. And with that, with someone having this disease of leprosy, they were considered unclean. Okay, And then being considered unclean meant that they cannot be with those that were clean. Because if they interacted with someone that was clean, then the person that was clean is now unclean. So, so much so that someone that was deemed unclean, they had to announce themselves as being unclean when they entered a space. They had to say, unclean! And that's where people were, ooh. Who said that? You know? I mean, they caught them off guard. And they're like, I don't want to be near them. So there's this group of people that are literally at a distance because they heard that Jesus was coming through town. They heard that Jesus was coming through town, and they're like, surely this is my opportunity to meet with Jesus. This is my chance. This is my, my, my opportunity to get that which I need, and I need some healing as well. So knowing who Jesus was, the lepers, they were waiting to have this encounter with him, and here was a chance. They were helpless, right? They were helpless, and they were in need of someone to save them. And it kind of sounds like us, right? We're helpless, and we're in need of a Savior as well. No matter how good things may seem at, at this time in your life, or maybe not so good that things may seem at this time in your life, we have a deep problem that is like leprosy and that we can't see, and that problem is called sin. And we are in need of a Savior. We are in need of a Savior who, who chose, not only chose to come near, but he still chooses to come near to us as well. He still chooses to come near to us as well, and uh, we are helpless, and, and Jesus wants to encounter us as well. But it's up to us to call out to him. It's up to us to call out to him to be able to encounter his presence. And we see that the lepers responded. Jesus actually said, hey, you go. Go show yourselves to the priest. You go. You go. And the word says that as they went, they were cleansed. But like I, I could see like in my own carnal mind, I could see these lepers that they were expecting Jesus to touch them, right? They were expecting Jesus to heal them right then and right there, but, but yet they weren't at that moment. Jesus said to go. So for them to be thankful after Jesus said just go, like, I mean, I could be kind of, that could be a little frustrating because they were expecting to get a touch from Jesus, but yet as they went, they were cleansed. And if a leper thought that they were in remission or, or healed or um, being, uh, the, the disease being dormant, they were supposed to go to a priest to show themselves to the priest, and then the priest would declare whether that person was healed or not. The priest would declare that whether that person was healed or not. So um, it's not the thing that, the thing about this is it's not those that, um, that we are just thankful, or these people weren't just thankful for having this cleansing. They were, they were, I don't know if they were just like so caught up that they were just cleansed that they didn't come back to Jesus or, or if they just weren't truly sure that they had been cleansed. But yet we learn that scripture says that not, not, not 10 of them responded or came back to Jesus. Only one came back to Jesus. Only one of them came back to Jesus. Remember, we're talking about we need to go back to the giver of the gift and not just celebrate the gift. Only one of them went back to Jesus. And the scripture says in verse 15 that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on, the face, on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Now he was a Samaritan. So gratitude is not just an attitude, it's an action as well. 
It's not just an attitude, it's an action as well, and it forces us to move. Like, I don't know if these other people weren't grateful or if they were just going to tell other people about it, but yet we see that one person who was despised of the despised race came back to say thank you to Jesus. And in that, the scripture continues to read that in that when Jesus saw his faith, he said, it is well with you. He said, it is well with you. So not only was he healed physically, but he was healed spiritually as well. He was healed not just physically, but spiritually also. And, uh, and with this, he came back to the Lord with a very outgoing, exuberant type of worship and praise, giving thanks. And this man, he saw God's grace as not just a commodity, but as a necessity. But yet too many of us, I believe that, that we treat God's grace as a commodity, something that we can just pick and choose whenever we want. All right. I mean, but I don't know about you, but I want more of God's grace. I, let me say it again. I need more of God's grace. Like morning by morning, I need those mercies, those new mercies, those great, it's his faithfulness. I need that morning by morning as well. But yet here's the thing. Our gratitude has to be based on the giver of the gift and not just the gift itself. Now, I get it. Some of us are going through some extreme, extremely hard times right now. Right. If I'm being honest, like Pastor Jeremy has said it when he was praying, like there was three people that we know of that experienced loss this week. Right. That 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 we know of that reached out to us and let us know that they experienced loss. Like like some people may be experiencing uh, going through broken relationships. This might be your first holiday season as um, being divorced. Like like I don't know exactly what you're going through. And it could be really hard for you to even think about how can I be thankful and grateful even in the midst of this, like thinking back over my life and I'm thinking even in the midst of things that I've went through of, of my grandma dying when I was in second grade and then another one dying in fifth grade and then my auntie who helped raise me dying when I was in ninth grade and my mom walking out, my parents getting divorced. Like I'm thinking about all those things and I'm thinking how in the world can I be thankful? And then I think about this and this is one of those old sayings of the church. I grew up in a missionary Baptist church, y'all. But when I look back over my life and I think things over, I can truly say that I've been blessed. I got a testimony. And so often we think that, that our testimony is the things that we've been through and where God has brought us from, but not realizing that not only is it the things that God has brought us through, it could be the things that God has kept us from. God has kept me from that car accident. Praise God. Bless those people that were in the accident. God has kept me and kept my marriage together. God has kept my kids intact. In God has kept my mind in perfect peace. That can be our testimony as well. So we can always find a reason to be grateful. We can always find a reason to show gratitude. We will never run out of reasons either. And we must never forget to come back to the giver. We must never forget to come back to the giver for what God has done for us, for what God has done for us. Sending his son, Jesus, we've received, we've received salvation from ourselves. We've received salvation from eternal separation. Like, that's what we deserve. Romans says the wages of sin is death, meaning eternal separation from God. But the gift of God, once again, I like gifts. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So we can celebrate the giver of that eternal life that we get. We get to celebrate that. 
There was this Christian uh, commentator uh, uh, wrote some some stuff on, uh, he's a theology or a theologian, uh, wrote some stuff on some scripture. His name is Matthew Henry. Um, He was robbed once and and he had uh, made a comment about him being robbed and being thankful even in the midst of him being robbed. It said this, he said, let me be thankful first because I was never robbed before. Second, because although they took my money, they did not take my life. Third, because although they took my all, it was not much. And fourth, because it was I who was robbed and not I who robbed someone else. It could have been really easy for him to focus on what had just happened and not focus on what could have happened, right? And I believe that so many of us, we focus on the things that what has just happened and not what could have happened. And we don't celebrate the giver of these gifts. It's hard for us to be thankful people when things are not going the way that was planned. I get it, y'all. I already said, I'm a witness to that. It's hard. And and why and how can I be thankful even when I am upset, even when things are not going the way that I thought that they should go, and it doesn't benefit me? How can I show thanks? How? It leads to the third point, and it's this, that, that living a life of gratitude, it forces us to lift up the name of Jesus. Living a life of gratitude, it forces us to lift up the name of Jesus. And as we've talked before, gratitude, it starts in our hearts and not in our hands, and um, it forces us to respond. And the response that we are supposed to have to gratitude is one of worship. Amen? Like, Our response is one of worship, and worship is a lifestyle. It's a mindset. It's something that we're called to be in, not just when the worship team is up here. That's not just worship. They're leading us as an expression of worship, but worship is a mindset, an attitude of the heart that we are supposed to be giving worth to something that is bigger than us. And when we're truly showing that we have an attitude of gratitude, we will be in a constant mindset of worship. One of worship. So even when things in our life are not looking too great, all right, we can constantly worship the one that actually has brought us through some things. Scripture says in Colossians, the rest of, of chapter 3, verse 17, actually, it says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. You can be brushing your teeth. You're supposed to give thanks. Amen. (laughs) Whatever you do, you can give thanks. An attitude of gratitude, it forces us to lift up the name of Jesus, doing everything in his name, doing everything to point people to him in word, in action, and in truth. And believers, we should always be giving thanks to God, and it should never stop because they say it's the hardest thing to do when we're going through it, but yet when Paul wrote his first letter to the Thessalonians, like, like in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he actually says it this way, to give thanks in all circumstances. He doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. He says give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Should be constant in the lives of Christians. Not giving thanks for the hardships. Like, I don't, I don't know how many, I, I, maybe it's just me, but I've never said thank you for this. Like, when I went through the stuff that I just mentioned, like, I didn't say, thank you, Lord, for this. I said, thank you, Lord, that you are with me in it. 
Thank you that you are walking with me in it. Thank you that you have never left me nor forsaken me in it. God, that you are in the midst, and, and I'm not thanking you for it. Like, I get it. Like, it produces things in my life. It produces hope and character and, and all of that and perseverance. Like, I get that, but I'm not thankful for the situation. I'm thankful in the midst of it. This causes believers to stand out in the world when we give thanks in the midst of what we're going through. Because when people see that we're going through some stuff, which a lot of us have been through some stuff, and they're like, yo, what... You just went through some hard stuff. How are you thanking the Lord? It's like, because I'm putting Jesus on a pedestal. Yet so many of us, so many of the world, we tend to put our problems on a pedestal. So that way people see the problems and they don't see Jesus. But yet scripture says it this way. It says, Jesus says, when I am lifted up, both literally and figuratively, when I am lifted up above the earth, I will draw all men and all women onto me. So when we lift the name of Jesus up and not the name of our problems, then people are drawn to Jesus. They're not drawn to us. They're drawn to Jesus. Giving thanks should not happen only when you feel like it. It should be in everything that you should do. Because here's the thing, and I need some help on this one. Some of y'all know this saying as well, because when I think about the goodness of the Lord... And all that he has done for me, my soul, it cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for saving me. Thank God for saving me. In the midst of loss, in the midst of brokenness, in the midst of depression, in the midst of anxiety. Thank you, God. It strengthens our testimony and points people to Jesus and not to ourselves. It's not about us. It's not about you. Sorry to bust some bubbles, but it's not. Psalm 115 says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name we give glory. For the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Psalms 100, it challenges us to actually be public with our gratitude. It's to also be public in, that, in our expressions and not just in private. Psalm 100, it says to make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Some of y'all ain't serving with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through every generation. For the Lord is good. That's why we can enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. For the Lord is good and the steadfast lover's mercy and it adores forever. You know what forever means? Forever. Forever, ever. Forever, ever. It continues through every generation. And what that means is that it didn't stop with my dad's generation. It didn't stop with his dad's generation. Praise God for him. It didn't stop for his dad's generation. And it's not going to stop with my generation. It's not going to stop with my kids' generation. It's not going to stop with my grandkids' generation. 
it continues forever and ever. So that is the reason why we can enter his gates with thanksgiving on our lips and his courts with praise, even in the midst of what we may be going through. Because gratitude, it moves your heart to worship, and worship is a lifestyle. And living a life of gratitude, it forces us to lift up the name of Jesus everywhere we go. We need to reflect an attitude of worship because when we do that, then people are drawn to him and not to ourselves. I want to do everything in my life to point people to Jesus, not to me. Everything that I do, I I love building relationships with your students. I love it, but I want them to be more connected to God than me. Like, I love building relationships with some of y'all, but I love you being connected to God more than me. So... I tell students and I tell people, and actually we were, we were going through this with some of our, our staff, uh, uh, I think it was last week during our staff prayer, they're like, hey, go follow, everyone go follow another leader and we're going to go to different spaces to pray because on Thursdays we take time to pray. In the, not this past Thursday, Thursday before, um, Pastor Brandon said, was like, hey, uh, Pastor Brandon Smith's going to go downstairs, you know, and uh, he's going to go down and pray in the sp- students area in the Spanish auditorium and over uh, Pursuit KC. And, and I just said, follow me as I follow Christ, you know. Like, it's not about me. Like, people are like, oh, he's being silly. No, I'm being serious. Follow me as I follow Christ because I want people to be directed to God in everything that I do. Not to me, but to his name be all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. So why should we live a life of gratitude? Three points. Why should we live a life of gratitude? It's going to be fast. The first one is it reminds us to thank other people or to thank others. Number two, it turns bad things into good thanks. It turns bad things into good things. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is even in not so good circumstances, it turns into good thanksgiving. When we can allow it to be turned around and praise God for that. What the enemy has intended for evil, God can use for good. And when we turn that from bad things into good thanks, then God is moving in it as well. Number three is it reminds us of what is truly important. It reminds us of what is truly important. And, and how do we live a life of gratitude? You might be saying to say thank you. Say thank you even when, uh, when you're not uh, like thankful for something like um, someone not treating you very kind. Just say thank you. I mean, show, show thanks in, in the little things. I'm trying to teach my kids, like right now, say thank you no matter what. Like even if they get a gift for the second time, the second gift that they got, like the same exact thing, I say you say thank you. Show gratitude. Show gratitude because there are people that, that don't have this and they don't, they don't have what you have. So show gratitude. The second thing is you take time to give thanks every day. Take time to give thanks every day. If you don't have one, start a gratitude journal. Um, start a journal on your notes app, I mean, or on the notes app on your phone, whatever that might look like. In a paper journal, like, like write something down that you are thankful for every single day. You'll never run out. One thing a day. One thing a day. Write something that you are thankful for. And last thing is you can worship. You can worship as a response to gratitude. And we're going to do that here um, in a minute too. But we're, we're going to worship not in a, in a way that you think with the band coming back up. We're going to worship and taking the Lord's uh, Supper together. So um, if you have not received the elements when you walked in, we're going to have our team um, actually passing them out as well. So um, if you would just raise your hand and one of our ushers would, will come and bring you um, the elements. Um, but go ahead and keep your hand up as our team brings around the communion that's both down here and up in the balcony as well. But here's the thing about this. Here's the thing about this, about communion. Like this is something that, that the Lord has 
called us to do as a sacrament, something that is holy, something that is set apart. And we're told that, that when we do this, this act of communion, it's in remembrance of the Lord. It's in remembrance of the Lord. And, and like, I, I get it, like some of us in here, we may never have taken communion before, or you're like, this is something that is, is too sacred. Yes, it is sacred, right? And it's something that we get to do as a family, as believers, as a family of God. Those of us that have accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, we're invited to this table to fellowship together in this way by taking this communion. And we learned that it was literally the night that he was betrayed, that Jesus took the remnants of the meal and, and he took this bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body that's been broken for you. Take this and eat in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. This is for the shedding or this is for the remission of your sins, the forgiveness of your sins. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to read a scripture and then we're going to take communion together. But um, scripture says in 1 Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 23, this is Paul that's saying this. He says, for I received from the Lord what I received or I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup, and after supper, saying, this is cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. On the bottom of the cup, there's a, a cracker if you haven't already figured it out, but you can open that real quick and take out the cracker. And, and we realize that it is because of the body of Jesus being broken for us that, that we can be healed. That's physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Scripture says that by his wounds that we are healed. So could we just take a minute, a couple seconds to say thank you for your, your body being broken for me? Come on, in your own way, if you would just say that, I'll pray and we'll take, we'll take this together. But thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus, for his body being broken for us, God, for his body being bruised, God, being beaten for us, God, so that we may experience healing, God. God, I pray that we would not lose sight of this, God, that we would never forget God, the, the stripes that your son took for us, God. God, let us not forget that, Lord. We thank you for this, this bread that symbolizes your body. We take it and we eat it together in the name of Jesus. Amen. Take the bread and you go ahead and eat. And then in the same way, he took the cup. He gave thanks and he blessed it. He said, this is the blood of, my new, of the new covenant. Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. I'm thankful for the blood, y'all. I don't know if you are. Would you just tell the Lord, thank you for his blood in your own way? Lord, we thank you for just shedding your blood, God, for us, so that we may have the forgiveness of sins, God. God, I pray, God, that we would never forget, God, that as often as we do this, God, we do this in remembrance of you. So we thank you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and take the cup and drink. Now, Father, we thank you once again for this time. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we've had to come together, God, to talk about an attitude of gratitude, God, and how we can 
remember, God, even in the midst of this, God, that gratitude, it starts in our hearts and not in our hands. God, and it forces us to return and respond to the giver of the gift and not celebrate the gift itself. God, in that when we have gratitude, we can lift up the name of Jesus. So, God, even in the midst of what we may be going through and experiencing, God, I pray for my family and my friends today, God, that they would be able to lift you up. God, pointing people to you in the midst. Lord, so I thank you, God, for this time. God, we celebrate you. God, not just in this holiday season, but every day of our lives. We thank you. We give you glory, honor, and praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.